You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here with the Locked On Nationals podcast here on this Thursday, December 17th, 2020. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use a promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off on your next purchase. On the show today, we talk about Mike Rizzo's media conference call he had on Tuesday. Kind of dissected it all for a day. Took it in, thought about it, and I have some thoughts on what he said. You know, There are times where he did not say very much, and there are times that he said uh, a whole heck of a lot about things like Chris Bryant talking about one-year deals with players, talking about specific guys in the Nats uh, clubhouse right now, and a whole lot more. So we'll get to Mike Rizzo's comments and what they might mean for the Nationals uh, offseason and 2021 season moving forward. All right, let's get to it. So Nationals General Manager Mike Rizzo addressed the media on Tuesday about a 40, a little bit under 40-minute conference call with a bunch of reporters. A lot of them were local Nats press. There were some national reporters as well, too. If you guys want to watch the video, the full thing is on YouTube. So you guys just uh, look up Mike Rizzo on YouTube. There is about a 30, it's a 36-minute clip, I think, in that range. And you guys can go on there and watch it. It's the third video down, so go check that out. Before I get into specific things that he said, just some general thoughts. Um... Mike Rizzo is, it's not like, you know, there's not a lot of electricity when he speaks. Uh, and that's totally fine. He's a general manager of a major league baseball team. I don't need somebody to be, uh, you know, some charismatic, uh, you know, enigmatic dude. It's just not what that position lends itself to. And it's probably not the demeanor you want in that position anyway. But I will say this about Mike Rizzo. Uh, you get a lot of confidence when you hear him speak. When you think about his background, you think about, uh, the success that he has had and the way he has built rosters in the past. And you're asking him questions about roster construction and the and uh, also, you know, not just roster, roster construction, but a 2021 season where we're not positive how things are going to look from a uh, player's or, you know, team perspective, right? We don't know when the games are, are going to start. It appears that the league and the players' union uh, are not close on an agreement right now to, on how to play baseball. And right now, as we speak, I saw it's around less than 70 days until pitchers and catchers or position players actually rather are supposed to report in some places. So we're kind of getting closer toward the major league baseball season. I know it might not feel like it, but we're now around the two month mark. Um, we're going to start gearing up for, for major league baseball here pretty soon. And I think Mike Rizzo is the kind of guy that you want leading your team when things do feel uh, you know, a bit unsure, right? And you also want a guy like Dave Martinez. And this is where I want to start with the actual content of what Mike Rizzo said. He talked, somebody asked him a question about last year discussing how the team got through it. Uh, and kind of, you know, what he the question was really about what he would say to other leagues. Um, and kind of, you know, showing a hey, Major League Baseball got through the season with no bubble. What would you guys say to, you know, uh, the NHL? and NBA who are embark, uh, about to embark on that very same journey. And he said, well, I'm not really one for giving advice. He did note about the, the buy-in from the players and the coaches and the medical staff when it came to, to COVID and talked about 
what was underreported was how many teams, and, and now and the Nationals were chief among them, how they handled the COVID-19 season on a day-to-day basis. As you all will recall, the season did not go especially well for the Nats. Despite that, though, the team had very few COVID-19 issues. And I think that speaks to the fact that this was a veteran team, and even some of the young guys, too. Like, this team was focused, they were professional, and they looked like champions in, in the sense of they weren't a bunch of young guys partying like, you know, we, we allegedly heard from some teams, right? Or, or guys being irresponsible like we had on some other teams. That was not the Nationals. That was not the Nats last season. So I think that bodes well for this season, and I think that speaks to what kind of franchise the Nats are. I also think it speaks to what kind of guy they look to bring in, right? I, I don't think they're going to bring in guys they don't think can assimilate into that uh, that positive, uh, respectful kind of professional culture that we know very well that you know the Nats are, have been well known for, right? That 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 um, you know, being the oldest team in the league when you win the World Series, there is a sense of maturity there, and I think the Nats demonstrated that. All right, so when it comes to some of the specifics about players, right, um, the thing he said they needed the most was a big bat. He was pretty adamant about that. He said, look, he said, look, he said, look, he, I mean, he almost came very close to saying what we need is protection for Juan Soto, uh, something that I've been, you know, that's what's what we bang the drum here uh, on the show for. And he said, look, we need a bat in the middle of the order. He said, whether it be at corner outfield or or first base, and then he kind of said, well, you know, it could come elsewhere, but it really sounded like he was trying to uh, to, to go for corner outfield and first base. Those those were the two positions he had mentioned outright. Obviously, like I said, that, that does not mean, you know, a DJ LeMayhew could not uh, be a part of the Nationals' plans. Uh, apparently, they did have talks, but it does not sound like a trade for Chris Bryant is very likely. And he also brought up Chris Bryant specifically. That was brought up. And he said, look, we have not had a serious conversation about Chris Bryant in two years. I don't believe that at all. Um, and then here, here's the thing. That's fine, right? That is totally fine that he lied about that. Uh, and if he did in fact lie about it, that happens all the time, right? I mean, I mean, coaches, players, uh, GMs, all those guys lie all the time, right? If you guys are college sports fans, that we joke about the the dreaded vote of confidence that athletic directors give college football coaches. We we mention it ad nauseum, and the joke is always that if you give the vote of confidence, right, you know uh, you're going to get fired. So you know when an athletic director says, "Oh my God, so and so has my full vote of confidence," so they get fired a few weeks later. Clearly, they didn't. Clearly, they lied, right? So there's that situation, and what you have to think about is think about it this way. There's, you know, Carter Keboom is is, is clear, currently your third baseman, right? So it'd be tough to say, you know, something like, look, we're looking for a middle-of-the-order bat at third base, right? Or or say that, yeah, we're really kicking the tires on Bryant. Great player. We want him, we want him here. I believe the rumors, those, those you know, the trade rumors that the Nationals were involved and were engaging in those discussions. Is Rizzo going to come out right and say that? No, I don't think he should, right? I mean, I, I think he acknowledged he is a good player and acknowledged that, um, you know, that's once again, like it's great, you know, guys uh, had a lot of success, but it says the Nats, you know, uh, haven't had a serious conversation about him in two years time. Well, two years ago, um, you know, the Nationals were obviously facing an Anthony Rendon situation where Rendon was heading towards the back end of his, uh, you know, of his contract. And the Nats had to think about what they had to do for the future of the franchise. And then also to he mentioned, you know, the one year contracts, you know, trading for a player on that one year deal kind of acknowledging what we've been talking about on this show 
not the best strategy, right? You're trading for a guy with one year left, you're giving up assets, and you got to lock him up. There's a whole lot of moving parts there, and I don't know if Mike Rizzo and the Nats want to invest themselves in that way, in that kind of a situation. I don't think it's the right thing for them to do, and it sounded like Mike Rizzo doesn't either, which I, which I think, if you're a Nats fan, that's a good thing. Um, and I also think, too, to protect Carter Keboom, especially, saying that, look, we are not interested in Chris Bryant. We haven't been in a while. Might not have been the most honest answer, but it was the right answer. And that's something that you guys, you know, I, I hope everybody out there, uh, everyone who's listening is understanding. Well, you know, I, I like believe the reports. I, I totally believe the reports are definitely true. With how badly the Nats need another bat in the lineup, I definitely think they would they kick the tires on Chris Bryant. It's smart to do, but he does not have to go out there and outright admit that he is kicking the tires or the Nats were kicking the tires on uh, on Chris Bryant. Um, uh, with the money situation, right? Uh, you know, about, hey, would you guys have the cash? He did make a slip up by saying that um, the money situation is fluid and somebody followed up on that and he goes, uh, hold on guys, I, I didn't mean to say that. The money situation is not fluid. We are fine. Um, we're gonna have, he said, we're gonna have the money. And obviously with him using the term fluid, which was an accident, that means the situation monetarily is one thing next, you know, one day, one thing the next, right? He said, no, no, we're good. Uh, I, you know, basically I've been given the tools to kind of put a championships team on the field. That was the general gist of what he said. I actually don't know the, the, the specific quote, but, um, you know, like talking about going out and getting a premier bat to put in the middle of the order. That sounds like somebody to me who understands, you know, that, Hey, you got the green light. You're good to go. So one slip up there that he, that he corrected. So if you guys do see that fluidity quote, just know that he amended that and said, Hey, I didn't mean that. What I really meant was we're good to go. We've got the cash. He did say that they're running the team right now. Like it's going to be a standard national league team. No surprises there. Obviously, we've heard stories uh, about, you know, what the future of a designated hitter is going to be. Uh, you guys have heard, I mean, look, we've had different people say different things on this very podcast, right? I mean, and and those people aren't necessarily wrong. It's just the conversations being had with different people at this time say different things. It looks like we're heading towards no designated hitter in the National League, which is a damn shame. You guys know my feelings about the DH. I think that we should definitely have one in the National League. It makes no sense. All right. We got to talk about the on-field product, right? I don't want to see, uh, you know, we don't want to see Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin, um, Eric Fetty, uh, Joe Ross. We don't need to see those guys pick up a bat, right? I'm not even talking about from the run standpoint. Sure, it's great to put another player in that position. Sure, we'd all love to have that. From a standpoint of how to score runs, right? How to score runs and make the game more fun. We should not be having that position. Also, too, one thing I want to note on this is that uh, the World Series, too, like the idea that we should make the American League pitchers hit, I get it's an even playing field of the National League ballpark. It's totally fine. It's part of history, blah, blah, blah. So dumb, right? These guys haven't hit all season. It is a disadvantage to have that happen. A total disadvantage. And also, to the pitchers, I mean, like, once again, they just suck at hitting. So there's really, you know, that's just kind of generally speaking. Not all of them. Not all of them. But, I mean, th there's guys who are trained professional hitters. Right, uh, we've been the DH spot, a coveted spot in the American League. A guy you can put an older, aging person, more jobs for the players. Right, that's that's what we're here for. Also, Nats fans, I know you guys hate seeing the video of Max Scherzer taking batting practice, getting injured. Um, we gotta fix that. We gotta fix that. 
But as it pertains to right now, Mike Rizzo says they're preparing this team like a standard National League team. So uh, obviously, with you know that in mind, um, if there's a DH scenario in 2021, it's going to be a by committee situation, right? Uh, or uh, unless they get a guy like a Marcel Ozuna, they're going to be using. The, the assumption, you know, they're going to basically be using by committee any situation that they would need a designated hitter. Um, he says, once again, on that first and out, corner outfield thing, there could be some flexibility. There could be some creativity. I, I think it's going to depend on the market, but I would most likely say, it's, I mean, I think it's going to come from a corner outfielder, right? Um, I think the fact that they didn't go for Carlos Santana on that contract and, and, and you know, weren't more aggressive about bringing him in shows the Nationals are more looking for that corner outfield spot as that big bat in the order. That's really what they are looking for right now. All right, more on Mike Rizzo's media availability in a second, but first, a word from our sponsors. Today's Locked On Nationals podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting, best for you protein bar in the game today. Go to BuiltBar.com right now. Use a promo code LOCKEDON, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, LOCKEDON, for 20% off on your next order. They've got 18 flavors, 6 new flavors, they've got 12 original, all of them with chocolate, 6 with nut, 6 without nut, right now. Once again, BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, LOCKEDON, for 20% off with your next purchase. Also, you have a chance to win a free cooler as well, which is very exciting. While supplies last, go to BuiltBar.com right now for 20% off with the promo code Locked On. Before we get back to it, everybody, I want to let you all know, was planning to do that uh, Nationals draft with Connor Jones. We, you know, just a lot of news right now, so I think it's best that we push that back a couple weeks so I'm going to do that once in the new year, right? We're going to push that one back. There's just too much going on right now with free agency and everything, and and I don't want that those kind of fun uh, off-season type episodes to be drained out if there's any potential news. So tomorrow's show, to end the week, we're going to do some news and some notes, and then also we're going to take a look at the catcher's market here coming up in the coming days because that is something that Mike Rizzo talked about, and I'll get to that right now. So Mike Rizzo also addressed the catching situation. He said that uh, in, when it comes to catcher, and it was asked specifically about JT Real Muto, he said that obviously they've been in contact with JT Real Muto's representation. He also shares the same agent as Ryan Zimmerman. Uh, he said on that front, Jan Gomes should be prepared to catch 90 to 100 games. That was kind of the, you know, he, and he said that number specifically. He said, you know, he, he might have to. But it was more along the lines of, yes, like that's kind of going to be the plan. He mentioned specifically saying we need somebody to compliment him, whether it be somebody from the farm or it be somebody they get in trade or free agency. So it sounds like, and I mean, I'm not going to read too much into the words that he said in that order, but we talked about that. You guys, you know, if you guys heard my conversation uh, with, with Matt Wyrick the other day of NBC Sports Washington, you guys know that we discussed the catching situation. And the fact that, hey, look, it's probably going to be a guy uh, they either bring in or it's going to be a guy they bring up. And he mentioned, you know, I totally forgot that Trace Barrera's got that PED suspension, right? That he's still serving. Obviously, he's appealed that and he's fighting that. So that situation's a little bit mucky right now. They are going to need to bring in some help or bring up some help for Jan Gomes. 
Uh, JT Real Muto was mentioned specifically, as I said, but he said you know, it hasn't been a, a ton of conversations. And we spoke with Matt Wyrick last week, who said, look, uh, you know, a one-year deal for Real Muto could happen. And I could see that too. More and more I thought about it. Um, you know, I'm sure he wants that financial security right now. It's just about who is willing to give it to him. Who is going to put themselves out there and commit to JT Real Muto? I still think that we're in a situation where, um, you know, the one-year deal is possible, but unlikely. I, I still think that's, that's a, a situation that is very much unlikely from what we can tell. I mean, James McCann just got four years, 40 million. I know Real Muto just wants a lot more, wants a lot more than that. But if he's in this thing for long-term security, he's going to go, go get a whole heck of a lot more than that. And he should get a whole lot more than that. Matt McCann contract set the market. Now, I, I'm not saying, you know, that's kind of a risk for the, for the Mets. Uh, that, that is a... Um, it's four-year deal, right? So you're locked into a position that Mike Rizzo even said this is a tough position. You're one foul tip, he said, from being in a bad spot back there. And for that position, you obviously have to think about what you're investing. Uh, and some teams, like the Mets, they found it you know worthwhile. I mean, it's not like Jan Gomes is, is being uh, paid you know nothing. I mean, I believe his contract is in the neighborhood of six million dollars. So that you know that position, um, there is a premium there. So yeah, I mean, Yangum's on the books for $6 million this coming season. So I'm curious to see what direction they're, they're going to consider there. I think it's just going to be somebody they bring in to compliment or they bring somebody up. I don't think they're going to go seriously at, at Real Muto. I don't think that's that big bat that, uh, that you know, everybody has been talking about for the Nationals coming in the 2021 season. I don't see him um, being the guy. All right, uh, on the rookie front, and we're going to do first base last year, but on the rookie front, somebody asked about Garcia and Kibum, and he said the worst thing about the rookies this past season was the fact that they looked like rookies. And, um, you know, he said there's only one way to get experience in the major leagues. It's playing in the major leagues. Pretty simple stuff, but he's right. We talked about, hey, what are they going to do at second base next year? What is the situation? Is Luis Garcia a guy we can depend on every single day? at that second base spot. The answer at this point in time, um, you know, it's questionable. I think it's more trending towards no, but the the Nats, depending on what they do, I think it's going to be Keebum at third base this coming season. I think it's going to be Castro at second. I would leave Garcia up if there's, you know, we'll see what happens to the minor leagues this year. Um, I'm, you know, a little bit skeptical about how well it's going to go, but, uh, you know, Garcia, if there's AAA, get him in AAA, get him reps. Have him ready and available in AAA to come up and do whatever, but keep getting those reps at nearly the highest level possible. The fact that he can do it, hit is what I mean, in the big leagues, and also field too, is just getting the reps and consistently fielding at a high level. He's not able to step up and do that, and I want to see Luis Garcia get the requisite reps at second base before he makes that transition. Keyboom is ready to play, uh, or needs to be ready to play, rather, third base, at that spot, not a great year last year, but he needs to get every single day, everyday reps. He needs the responsibility of being that guy. And then we can truly evaluate who he is. And I think Mike Rizzo is on that playing field right now. He just says they, they need seasoning. Um, but, you know, there, and like I said about him being in AAA, Luis Garcia, it didn't sound like he was 100%, you know, with that. If there is AAA season, that, that means. So if, if there is AAA season, I can't guarantee he's going to be down there. There's a good chance he could be with the Nats 
up at that level because they want him there. But also, too, know that they have Josh Harrison, so that's another guy that could always plug in at second base uh, if there's a Castro issue or he has to move over. If Castro moves to third, I do see Luis Garcia being with the Nats in the major league level. I just think that makes a whole lot of sense. I'll see you need another second baseman if uh, if that's kind of the spot for Castro playing third base for an extended period of time. So I think it's something to do on the rookies, and I think they're going to get reps, and um, I think that's something to watch. I think look how the look how those young guys look in the field. Are they as confident at the plate? And I know Garcia should have a lot of confidence. For a 20-year-old player, he was uh, very capable at that age. Uh, at the plate, obviously, there's a lot of room to grow in that department, in the fielding department. But look, uh, in the spot he was thrown into, in the situation it was, he sh- he was a, a bright star um, for for everything he was asked to do and what he gave them. I mean, just positive all around. You know, high marks all around in that situation. Last thing was first base. Um, he did mention with Ryan Zimmerman, there have been conversations. They the last time they talked was in two weeks. And um, he said that there is a chance that they could be flexible at first base, right? There, there's a, a couple of ways they could go. And they talked about wanting to get that bat there. Whatever I think happens, I think it's a combination of things at first base unless they go out and get somebody that they're very confident in at that position. But um, what's important for Zimmerman right now clearly is the fact that with the COVID-19 situation, there's a vaccine. Um you know, is it safe for him to play with the health concerns he has for his family, right? Uh, I've heard health concerns mentioned about the vaccine for people, not in, you know, not not to get all, you know, uh, political or whatever, but, you know, the, not anti-vaxxers, right? But there are certain people with certain medical con- conditions, you know, a lot of people re- react poorly to medicine, right? Because uh, of some con- condition. There are concerns for people with some conditions about how they might react to a vaccine, um, you know, so th- there's there's a lot of factors in play here for Ryan Zimmerman considering his family as he approaches the 2020 baseball season, or 2021 rather. But if he plays in 2021, you can bet your ass it's going to be for the Washington Nationals. Um, I, I don't think Mike Rizzo would let him walk. So I think they're just kind of waiting to see that situation. They've been in contact, and I wouldn't worry too much about that. That, that being said, though, I did say, look, the Nats... Um, they can't just wait on that to solve first base, right? Zimmerman's going to have a spot with his team. He'll be able to play some. How much he plays, that's uh, that's a very big question. When it comes to pitching, he was very comfortable with where they are, which I thought was, it was surprising, right? I mean, uh, somebody had mentioned, I think, like Anibal Sanchez guy, and he said, you know, I kind of mentioned it could be Joe Ross, but he, he, he talked about how much he liked the position, that the Nats were in, right? I mean, he said, you know, we got three really good pitchers. We're built off our pitching. Our team is about pitching. We've got a bullpen that's got some flexibility with veteran guys and guys we believe in. He seemed very confident in the pitching situation. And, um, you know, which made me think that's not a priority to go get a number four guy right now for them. Uh, I think maybe it should be. And I think we mentioned a lot in the show how the pitching market is moving at a rate that's much quicker than some of the markets, uh, you know, other markets in this offseason. But it didn't sound like they were very hard-pressed to go and get a guy. They might, the right thing happens for them, but they've got four in the tank right now, right? They've got four in the can, if you will, with Strasburg, Scherzer, Corbin, and now Joe Ross. That fifth spot, do you want to go out and spend money on it? Or do you think Fetty could take the spot? Do you think Will Crow could take the spot? 
There's a lot of people, you know, we talked to a bunch who think maybe Cole Henry could nearly be ready or Cade Cavalli could nearly be ready um, to come up to the major leagues and take that next step. Look, I'm not sold any of those guys, and I don't know if the Nats want to wait around. Also, they need starting pitching depth. Like, you need guys on the roster who can go in and get your starts. If you tell me Austin Voth is that guy out of the bullpen who can slide in and kind of be that number six, then there's, uh, you know, uh, you know, a, a secondary start or a, um, a, uh, a guy like a Will Crow, right? I mean, I, I don't know how much confidence we have in him, but we got, we got to see more. But if those are the guys are going to roll with, like, that's fine. But I, they got to get somebody else to fill out the rotation. Be like, okay, these are our guys. Fetty and, and Voth out of the pen are the two guys you can count on being that extra starter-ish. You know, one of those guys can make a start. If you need them to, one of those guys can become the starter. Uh, I think it's always good to have two of those guys. You know, you could potentially move into that role. But uh, I, I'm, I'm in a spot right now where I'm curious to see, and I'm not positive that they are prioritizing pitching. Because Mike Rizzo sounded so confident in that situation. I think, um, you know, he says Strasburg is on track. Uh, everything is a go with that. So we'll see how he looks. I think Scherzer's going to be healthy. And we'll see if Patrick Corbin can shake some of those cobwebs off from what was a rough 2020 season for him. All right. Uh, a whole lot there. So uh, I hope you guys enjoyed that. I enjoyed, look, I enjoyed watching Riz talk. You know, I think he's always a guy uh, that, that people enjoy speaking to. He's level-headed. I like the way he thinks about the game. And I think if you're a Nats fan, whenever you hear him speak, whatever concerns you have, just, you know, you, you get uh, assaged a little bit, right? You get more comfortable uh, about the Nationals' financial situation, their on-field situation, and you just feel a bit better once you listen to Mike Rizzo speak. All right, everybody, that'll do it for today's show. Follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Nationals. Follow me at Josh Neighbors underscore. Until tomorrow, stay safe.